Welcome to Bros, Bibles, and Beer. On this episode, we talk to Mike Erie and Andy Lara from Vox Podcast. Mike tells us what it looks like practically to make Jesus beautiful. And we get into some tough Bible passages that are hang-ups for some of us. So for those of you, and you're out there, who say that for a podcast with Bible in the name, we talk awfully little about the Bible. Well, we get a little Bible-y, and it's great. Mike and Andy also share how Vox Community, which is a church in North Orange County, was birthed out of their podcast's rapid success. And Mike also talks about how the book of Revelation is the most politically subversive tract in the history of the planet. That and so much more. You can learn more about their podcast at voxpodcast.com, voxoc.com, which is their church homepage. And the podcast for that church community is Vox Community. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Bros Bibles Beer. And like us on Facebook, Bros Bibles Beer. We really appreciate your feedback, and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Grace, peace, cheers. Well, no one listens to this, so I feel safe. <laughs> so, so I walk in to this magnificent um, abode, and there is all all right. the, uh, there is the anthology. There is the Sword of Shannara anthology by Terry Brooks. Which I read in junior high, and uh, glad to see that there are some people late to the party, or like decades later. Yeah, that'd be Zach. Um, but I'm thinking it's at a reading level that, you know, will the, work for you. There aren't pictures, which is a detriment, but... <laughs> there were the I original, was, <laughs> 1977 original. There were in the original. Okay, that was the year before I was born. Yep, yep. Well, I was five, so it's not like that, math, that much. Math, I'm not that far math. behind you. That's right. Uh, That's right. Welcome. Welcome to the 40s. Hey, he's younger than... Jeff is not here. Oh, Jeff's going to be so jealous. <laughs> nice. All right. So ha- have you've read the first book. I have. MTV has turned the second book into a miniseries. MTV has. And uh, it's awful. Interesting. It is horrific. Is it MTV has? MTV. MSCM. They, they actually, I think with ga- the success of Game of Thrones, they were looking for something you know, to get in on that. And uh, they went to sort of Shannara. They couldn't just leave it alone. Like no, Game of Thrones no, couldn't is, just be is, left alone. Someone is, has to go it is, and No, it is absolutely it. awful. Is that a genre, though, that you like? Uh, in general, I'm not well versed in that genre necessarily. The fantasy, the fantasy but genre. Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. Yeah, is Standards. more my my bread and butter. Standards. And that was one where we had dinner with some a couple a long time ago, my wife and I, and they said you like Lord of the Rings, you might like Sword of Shannara. Yeah, that's that's like that's like um, the difference between Country Time, Lemonade, and Crystal Light. <laughs> if we're wow. just dating ourselves wow. right there. So which is which then? Which? Uh, well, the sword is the sword is derivative. It's the light version of right. of the Lord right. of the Rings. That's what of I would guess. Of yeah. course, <laughs> absolutely. I, I'm totally with you. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very good. So, speaking of genres, does this include like the fantasy metal genre as well? Why not? Like Blind Guardian. Yes, Blind Guardian. Wow. Um, Angel Wings, Manowar. How about El- Elvish Fire? Uh, Zach, Zach was an Elvish guy. He had that game, and I refused to play it. Fantasy Metal. Okay, 
All right, I like that. Oh yeah, I think you, I think you might be really into it. You All know right. what? You'd probably love listening to it while you play Destiny. The Warlock. Oh, Destiny. Oh, Destiny I love Destiny. Does Mike, you play Destiny? Oh yeah. He mentioned uh, it on okay. one of the podcasts. PS4 oh, yeah. or Xbox Four. PS4. Oh. Yeah, that's terrible. No, I know, I know, I know. I just, I just, um, for the record, I've maxed out my light on two characters, beat the hard mode raid, challenge mode, multiple times, and I would like to consider myself... Did you myself, beat House of Glass? Of course. House of Glass. Vault of Glass. Vault of Glass. I was so close. <laughs> Come on, Scott. <laughs> Mike, you didn't let him finish. He was about to say Vault of Glass. Thank you, if yes. a vault is a yes. form of yes, house. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So yes, Destiny PS4. I'm not. I'm not giving you my gamer tag. I was well, a guardian. I'm not on PS4, so All right. I'm on the Xbox One. So you're safe. Okay, that's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm safe because I'm not on either. I know you watch hockey. That's right. Which, yeah. Speaking of speaking of fantasy, yeah. Did uh... Andy's the Ducks guy? I'm surprised you weren't wearing gear. No, I got my socks on. Oh, so I actually socks. do have I do have my, my ducks. And the bottom socks of your on. shoe your shoes actually have some ducksish green. Yeah, a little bit. Mighty ducks green. Yeah, for sure. Mighty, uh, and purple. So technically I'm rocking vintage Mighty Ducks and current I will, Anaheim Ducks. I will allow it. So that's I'm a, very King, subversive I'm a Kings guy, but I'm not that much of a Kings guy. So no. you're safe. No. Is hockey going now? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah, we're doing oh, good. Yeah, Kings the country much. is Everyone clearly knows. captivated by the hockey. Everyone's season. supposed to know that. I didn't even know. I didn't yes. know basketball started. Yeah. Well, everything else terrible. going on. I mean, I'm I'm getting I'm about up to move in Canada. What? <laughs> they have hockey there. Yeah, they got a lot of they hockey. Lot. They also have a little bit better of a government right now too. What? <laughs> wow. wow. Okay, shots fired. Yeah, but you're, you're <laughs> only just not here. Only for the next couple of months, and then it, everything gets better. True. January. <laughs> 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 Good one. Well done. Well done. Uh, yeah. So I did I did listen to your most recent episode or no. Yes. No. The politics, the reaction. The reaction to the election. Yes. Was that on that night? No, it was the next, the next day. day. Next day. Yeah. So any any <laughs> thoughts right now? You guys pump that we're out. We're gonna record we're gonna record tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm gonna ask Andy to get it out this week. Okay, because yeah. there's some time time sensitive stuff. So yes, I read the most interesting uh, article today um, from Vox magazine. Yeah, and um, we stole our name. We stole our them. name. We're the parent. That's, um, not, that's not your magazine. No. Well, we're making a move okay. uh, once giving's up. <laughs> um, it was uh, it was on the ineffectiveness of telling people they're racists, and it was this. It was a fascinating article. We'll talk about tomorrow at our and that at came our from show. Vox. Right, but it was. Why am it I was, surprised? Like seriously? I'm actually a little bit surprised. Yeah, no, it was it was phenomenal. It was it was literally the it, it was a very sustained uh, argument about how do you change opinions, and having having uh, progressives just sit, complain about the the racist, misogynist, xenophobic, homophobic. Middle America, you know, that voted for Trump does utterly nothing except cement their conviction that they're right in uh, in uh, what they're thinking about the the liberal media or the liberal elites or whatever. And and so the article the article was about how how do you actually change how do you actually change opinions and um, and so it was it was really really fascinating. So anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, and um, if you are sympathetic to the Hillary side of things, how do you stand with those who are very threatened by uh, President-elect Trump? 
uh, and do so in a way that honors Jesus, um, that, that, you know, and honors the fact that, you know, that we live in a representative democracy and the people have spoken. So anyway, yes. Looking forward to juicy, that. Juicy, juicy stuff. <laughs> Actually, that one will probably, so if you're going to record it and get it out as soon as possible, yeah. that'll probably drop uh, right before ours. Well, yeah. we'll proceed. Then we'll say. We were talking with the guys from Bros, Bibles, and Beers, and they had a great they had great thoughts. And we're if just you don't from say them. that, yeah. I'll send Gwen after you. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, Gwen, seven-year-old yeah. Gwen. She's dangerous. Dude. <laughs> yeah. She looked at me like I had, yeah. Well, she, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just. So you mentioned reflecting Jesus well and how you treat the opposition. I do have a couple notes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is actually not on my notes, but you you make a big deal in your podcast, especially early on about making Jesus beautiful. And I'm wondering if you can expand <laughs> upon that. What does that look like in general? Um first of all, it's a phenomenal phenomenal well-articulated question not on your notes. For not being on your notes, that'll probably be your best question. Thank you. Um I think <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, uh, Jesus is already beautiful, um, so no one makes him beautiful. But the way that's our shorthand way of trying to convey our conviction that Jesus is the most magnificent, compassionate, um, majestic human person to ever walk the planet, and that uh, very often uh, what Christians have done have we've either we've either. Um, we've either softened him to the point where he's just a mushy kind of moral teacher, or we've sharpened him to the point where he's, um, you know, he's, uh, he's the, the president of the conservative right, or he is the, uh, you know, he's the hater in chief and the judger in chief. And, and, um, so we, we just want to resist all the false character, 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 characters. I will allow it. Um, um, <laughs> out there. Uh, and often they're pervaded even by the church, right? It's not just the, the, the non-Jesus people, but it's the Jesus people that sometimes fail to reflect his beauty because, um, so much of what I see the early church doing is insisting on a certain way of life in order to present the teachings of Jesus in a compelling way. And we've, it seems like myself and many of us have, have flipped that to where we insist in our, the exercising of our rights, um, regardless of how that makes Jesus look. And so when the, the national narrative is 81% of evangelicals got Trump in office, he's our president, he's this, he's this, he's this, yeah, it's 81%. So 24%, evangelicals were 24% of the total votes cast, 81%. Of, of white evangelicals voted for Trump. So that's the cultural narrative is, um, is that, that that's our candidate. That's our, you know, and, and it was, you know, as, as much anti-Hillary as it was pro-Trump, of course, but um, making Jesus beautiful for us is how do you disentangle Jesus from the web of nationalism, militarism, consumerism, individualism, um, um, even, even, you know, the conservatism that uh, has so dominated. So, so for us, it's how do you separate Jesus out from the subculture that's kind of grown up around him that we don't see reflected in the gospels, even remotely. We see it reflected in church, but we don't see it reflected in the gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we had this interesting conversation a couple days ago, actually, and I, I think I'd, I'd wonder what what do you think about this? Because you brought up, like in our in our church in our meeting on Tuesday morning, how um, 
you kind of like said like, hey, you know, like I when I look at another uh, communicator, another pastor, like speaker, I try to like pull out what what are they trusting? Are they trusting the text? Are they trusting their story? Are they trusting their faith? Or are they trusting their wisdom? Hmm. And you kind of shared how like you always trust the text. Try to and yes. you try to and how you know your goal is to pull people back to the text where often we see a lot of current pastors take the text and try to push it into the future. Right, it's right. like we we work hard or not we collectively, but like how a lot of folks try to make Jesus work. Like we try to fit him into applicable action that is like relevant to our current culture versus seeing how Jesus is beautiful and how are we convicted by what the text says and how does that make us actually... I think that's really good because what Jesus never did ever is give tips and techniques for spiritual growth. He never once gave principles for knowing God's will. He told stories, he painted pictures, he subverted... The, the, the Roman nationalism and the Jewish nationalism of his day um, through his enacted uh, table fellowship, um, through his enacted healings and miracles. I mean, he, he was just so freaking compelling because precisely because he didn't do what so many of us preach that he did. Yeah. Namely, um, we, we're, we're helping people. Like I saw one advertisement for a church and I, I you know, love church, part of the problem. But it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, oh, how, how did they say it? The, literally the advertisement was, um, uh, uh, lessons for better living. That was their message. Lessons for better living. What's wrong with that, Mike? (laughs) Well, (laughs) that'd be awesome if that's what Jesus did, um, as opposed to Oprah and Deepak and, um, you know, all of the spiritual gurus of today. Um, No, Jesus Jesus actually deconstructed what life meant and uh, was intending on doing something far more radical than just enhancing ours. So I just, I I resist the um, impetus in the church that I've been a part of to uh, package Jesus in a way that makes sense to modern ears, because modern ears are bent towards pragmatism, individualism, and consumerism. Whereas I think the more compelling picture is to hear Jesus the way his first century contemporaries would have heard him, which is a far different story. Yeah. Did you have something, John? No. Andy. (laughs) Hey, Andy, we want to do something that Probably Mike has never done for you. Okay. Just just give you a platform. Just go for it, Mike. <laughs> What's on nice. your heart, Andy? Yeah, it's Andy, just go for heart. it. Nice. This segment is called Andy's Heart. Andy's Heart. <laughs> that big bear of a heart. Yes. Andy Bear's oh, a bear heart. Oh, man. Well, you know, my heart right now is just really, I just want to say to everybody that um, mm. we just launched a Patreon account. And right now, <laughs> like, if, uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, y- your donation blesses you. Your donation blesses <laughs> you. You're, and you're going to send them a listen, cloth or something, right? I tried, listen, oh, I no, tried no, no. to vote. No, no. I tried to vote this week, and my car blew up. Who's going to pay way. for that? On the way. Who's going to pay for that? They are. Is that a true story? <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> no, he, he did mention it on the podcast. <laughs> let me just say. Let me just say this: the gift we give um, uh, at the five dollar level is so freaking ridiculous. I just four ninety five. It's yes. yes. We, our first our first uh, yes to Patreon was uh, four dollars a month. Oh, four dollars. They right. didn't even they didn't even want right. any of the rewards for nope. dollar for twelve dollars so a year more. So they inputted their own four dollars a month. Yes. Is that yes. What happened? Like screw yes. you guys. So what's yes. the, I don't want your categories. Yeah. I saw <laughs> that. I was thinking, How do I avoid I the incentives? <laughs> How do I avoid the incentives? Because the last right. thing I want is a gift from right. you guys in Seriously. my mailbox. It'd be on the Seriously. Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or it'd be it'd be known. Be on no, our Facebook, Facebook community. Can you give us a taste? Group. What is the 
$5 bonus. Well, I can't tell you what it is. Okay. It is, I, all I can say is it's ridiculous. It's amazing. And you have yeah. to go to patreon.com slash box podcast. Okay. Sure. Sweet Andy <laughs> Bears. Doing I knew it. Mike would know. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, no, the thing, the thing that um, I love about Andy is that Andy Bear, Andy Bear's finding his, um, his voice on some of this stuff. And it's fun to watch. Yeah. In the sense of, um, you, you've been a little more bold recently in your, uh, in your, uh, a little more toothy in huh. your oh, political wow. posts and your jabbings. I, I try true. to, I try to stay, you know, kind of relatively in the middle because we've got listeners all over the place on political issues. Not so much Andy. No. Andy Bear's turning into Andy uh, Fair, uh, Tear, growl, no, Growler. Uh, uh, hmm. I like that. Andy Growler? Andy Wolverine. Yeah. Yes. Doesn't really oh, rhyme, yeah. but it sounds vicious. Andy Mighty Duck. Does sound vicious. <laughs> it's, Mighty Duck. I, I've, just, I've just started to see our effort as a coming of age tale for me. A nice. And so nice. I'm just, yeah, I'm just embracing the process. Wow. Yes, in your 40s. Congratulations. In your 40s. Uh, you look great for forties, forty five, forty six, whatever it is. It Thank is. You. you look he, great. It's Filipino. That's good. It's it Filipino. I can yeah. get you guys in on it. I um I have like a lotion <laughs> essential oil uh, nice. product that essential uh, oil. experiment. That's yep. you Patreon. sign up under me. That's right. Yes. Patreon. That's right. Go to Patreon. You know, I take a small commission, but I can get you started. It's not a right. and, um, but and you hold parties and other folks come over and you share the success. Man, that sounds great. Good Lord. Yeah, but my strategy is really getting on other people's podcasts to see the results. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And you guys need essential oils. Let me just say officially, from my my view, officially, yes, it is. So you're uh, so Filipino. I heard that the Filipinos. Why did why the hell did I drive down here if you're going to interview Andy? <laughs> I could have just called in. All right, he lives now. He lives down here. I was an hour in traffic, okay. and we're going to talk we about Andy's heritage. That. Yeah, it was terrible. That's fine. He's no, Filipino. This is political. He's I think I think I know where we're going with this. Well, yeah, and uh, from what I heard, and I didn't read the stories, but mm. Filipinos, uh, the majority of them voted Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wondering if you had any insight into <laughs> the that. demographic analysis. Oh, I will. I'm excited that my um, the leader of my heritage yes. is is really giving him a lot of support. Who? I mean, uh, Duarte, the president of the Philippines. Philippines? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's me, affirming a lot of Trump's comments. He trusts his confidence, and he, he actually, I think I read an article that today that says he trusts his judgment. Yes, that guy. So wow. let me he just trusts, say this. Judgment. Let me just judgment. say this. So naturally, all the the Filipinos do. Wow. Andy, Andy. And I, I hope this doesn't come across horribly, but Andy made a fat joke earlier. <laughs> so this is repayment. Andy, so Andy is half Filipino, half Caucasian. And, and the halves aren't... So he had to vote Trump. Yeah, well, no, no. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, both demographics. See, I only had half a vote of the 81%. But the that halves don't that. reflect on, his, uh, on his, his outside. The halves reflect on his inside versus his outside. So his outside is Filipino. His inside is, is whiter than me. And it is so true. So sometimes he'll play the Filipino card and you just don't see it coming. You know, it's like, dang. So we're, we're training for a Spartan race, and he scampers up this rope that, you know, I look at and just go, you know, thank you. And, and it's just, he just has this natural genetic thing that happens when you get him around, you know, like primal, like he's got a spear. There's a spear throw in the Spartan race, and he just, he kills it, literally kills it. He knocks the little box we're throwing at off the tree, and he's like, hey, is this good? So, so, so every- for affirmation from Papa. 
<laughs> he is looking for affirmation. That's right, from Papa Bear. Yeah. See, that's what makes Andy it a coming Bear. of age tale. That's it. That's it's it. all coming together. It's yep. beautiful, guys. So that was Andy's heart. Yep. That was a moment of Andy's heart. <laughs> this has been very confused. Well, that kind of answers my question about, um, which is also not on my notes, but Whoa. the encroachment. Of, of Andy, a- Andy's share on the podcast. Time I know. On the podcast, Listen, it's growing. Let me tell the story, okay? <laughs> so, I know. So, I go to Andy in October of 2015, and I say, hey, can you just show me how to do a podcast, okay? I'm sure he got scared. He's like, oh, no. No, no. He said, oh, I'd love to. I'd love to show you how to do one. And then all of a sudden, he sits in the room while I'm talking. And then he sets up two mics and starts talking in reaction to my talking. And then, so when, it, when he was dialing up the Patreon stuff, here's what he does. This is so emblematic. See, he looks so nice. He, 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 one of the rewards was a special message from Mike and Andy. And I'm like, Andy, who the, who the hell wants a, 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 a thing from you? from you? This is the Mike Erie podcast. What are you doing, Mike? And this is not Mike and Andy's podcast. This is the Mike Erie. Your job was to show me where to press play, and you've taken it over. And, and people encourage him. People encourage it because Andy is so nice, and oh, he's perceived to be nice. And The he's same got, way that Trump's going to win, so am I. Oh, see? Do you see? <laughs> it's a usurping. Yeah. Well, what are you looking up right is there? It subversive. <clears throat> it is totally Man, subversive he is on my kingdom. The subversive. Yes. No. It's what do you call that? That sub. I don't know. Uh, sub subversing. Deep versive. Deep. Yeah. Now, how long? How long have you guys yeah. been podcasting? Uh, a little over a year. Okay. Oh, okay. So we started yeah. around a similar time. Yeah. And has anyone tried to take it over? Um, we have had we have had some okay um, interlopers that yeah, that's who come I'm back here. from overseas yes and then just drop in just well drop in. it's not really overseas I mean it's over land oh, right. it's South right. America it's technically connected oh yeah. where where was it Peru ah, yeah okay. it's it's, it's, You're right. it's the same true. body of land right basically okay right. that's a yeah point. yeah yeah but you know. I like that. All right, so you guys know that you guys know the struggle. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. Yeah. And uh, well, actually, I never got a chance. We've been doing this now for twenty minutes. And welcome to the podcasting lower class. You <laughs> is guys, this what it is? This yeah. is, this is, is what this it, what it like. feels what it like. Is. Yeah. Yes. Well, Southern it, Orange County lower class. True. <laughs> yeah. Lower right, class right. in Southern Orange County is different than lower class anywhere on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Possibly. Yes. But you guys, your podcast is. Firmly entrenched in the top 200 of Christianity, which is a dense... There's it's a dense. lot of... That's dense. I'll be honest. There's a lot of bullshit in that top 200. Oh, my Lord. You don't. You can say yes or no, or you don't have to. I don't want to oh, put no, you in that is. position. Okay. I mean, we, so can we get you on tape saying there's a lot of bullshit in the top oh, 200? Oh, it is, it is, it is awful. <laughs> I, we're just chasing Osteen, man. We're just oh, yeah. oh, we're all chasing Osteen. Dude, well, now we're just chasing the Harry Potter guy. The Harry Potter. Yeah, the Harry, oh, Harry Potter guy. Yeah, well, I guess Harry. that's religion and spirituality. That's spirituality, yeah. yeah. Christianity is, is Harry Osteen. Potter Osteen. Guy. Joyce wow. Meyer, uh, Stephen Furtick, Driscoll's up there. Yeah. Um, uh, Bell. Rick, Rick Warren's up there. You yeah, just you can't get over him. You know, it's like the hemorrhoids that just keep coming back. Keep if, coming if you back. had to, uh, if you had to banish one of those, yes, one of those. That's a great question. If w- if you had to banish one of those to Andy. the prison prison of Azkaban, oh um, nice Harry nice. Potter reference uh, to be tortured be, by dementors. Yes, uh, would it be Olstein or would it be Meyer or Furtig? <sighs> um, uh, personally, 
Uh, John Piper's high on my list. Oh, to wow. Just banish. Interesting. Entirely. Why is that? Uh, well, we can get to that yes. after the answer. Um, yeah. uh, Driscoll, absolutely. Oh, okay. I'd love to do a cage match. Um, <laughs> a, re- a reformed Calvinist theology yeah. movie? Yeah. I think, I think the reform movement is awful and not biblical, but that's just, that's just my soft opinion. Just that. Um, <laughs> well, Driscoll's, Driscoll's a man, so he might just take right, you up on that, right. that cage so, match. So, and say it's God's will. Yeah. yeah. I always, yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's no, for God's I just, glory. I'm not, yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fan of the hyper-reformed uh, complementarians out there that, um, that uh, present Jesus... Uh, as if he were Paul, um, and uh, they don't honor the Gospels. They they read Paul first and then present Jesus through the prism of Paul. That what they don't do is read Jesus and then read Paul. And if you read Paul after you've read Jesus, you get a different Paul. So uh, to me, that's uh, that, uh, there's just a huge parting of the ways. That could be a huge can of worms that we yeah. go into, but we yes. probably won't. Oh, that's, well, that's a whole... But great question. I mean, yeah. that's a really yeah. good question. I'm glad you answered it. It feels like... Well, no one listens to this, so I feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy, um, what do you have planned coming, uh, coming up? Right. Um, so now you just avert to me for the lower class of uh, yeah. South South County. Come on, that was, this, this that was going yeah. anyway. That was good. No one does listen to this stuff. No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that was a really excellent question. If you could banish... I think we need to add that. If you could banish one other person from the top 200 <laughs> Christian leader podcast, who would it be and why? That is a genius yeah. question. So the low-hanging fruit in oh. that was Osteen. That's like low-hanging fruit, and you went... Piper. Well, which Pipers. is the great? Which is the greater heresy? Like to me, oh, we've we made go. heresy. We've made heresy intellectual, um, and it seems to me Jesus made heresy uh, about your ethic, um, and so so heretical became this tag if you don't have your mental furniture lined up correctly, according to somebody. Whereas Jesus was clearly after false teachers for their practice, and um, so which is so which is the greater heresy, Rob Bell? And his universalism, whether he calls it that or not, or Mark Driscoll and his arrogance and meanness and um, and brutishness um, and lack of love, which is the greater heresy? So for me, um, heretical, you know, is b- bigger than well, you know, this person doesn't believe in the rapture or this person doesn't believe in uh, a literal six day creation. I think that's nonsense. Heretical is. Um, someone who does not love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. End of story. And now love gets mishmashed into our culture, yes. so greatly misunderstood. That's a big thing for Scott. He's, yeah, I, he's always into definite. How? What is love? What does love look like? What is yeah. love? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, because they say, you know, Jesus. You know, how did Jesus love? So then I ask the question. I, you know, if someone says, "How did you, you know?" Just love how Jesus loved. Well, my question is, how did how Jesus, Jesus love? love? So I'm always trying to because. I don't want love, just like you said, I don't want it to be the love that the, the world is saying, oh, I love this or I love that or sure. I, I love my wife or right. whatever it is. I don't want that the love of Jesus to be mixed up with that pejorative love whatever right? Uh, because Jesus loved in a specific way. And yes, that yeah. has to be separated from what the world considers love. Mm-hmm. That, that's why I asked that. Boom. So after a year, Zach, boom, you get the answer. I appreciate you, Scott. 
Shut it's up. Taking long Shut enough. up. Why is your why is your stove not going to four hundred? It's been stuck on three seventy five for no, like it's twenty minutes. So it compensates. <sighs> so we can put the pizza Let me just be clear. That's not the only thing compensating in this room right now. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Andy, what big lens you have? Andy's got a big lens, and and Mike drives a big big, big truck. Big car. I, 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 I pride it on the girth of this yes. particular lens yes. more than the it's one. not that long, yes. but it's girthy, no, but it's wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah, the truck I drive is just like me according to my son old slow and white nice so i'm like okay and a lot of gas so i'm gonna and break a lot this of gas oh my goodness <laughs> i'm gonna break this up a little bit because okay. jeff pearson a founding man, member yes, was not able to come to right. the live podcast that we visited you guys at and he's at the overseer meeting right now making sure my wife newly elected overseer is not taking too much authority over men speaking of heresy yeah so he had <laughs> he had <laughs> Oh boy! He's driving. Of course, Democrat. Of course. And I really had so many questions. I love really digging into uh, the meat of things, and I know you get into a lot on your lot amazing podcast, uh, the Vox Podcast. Uh, I double booked tonight. Usually. Uh, Wednesday's open. Did um, you hit pause? Monday's usually... True or false, he has skipped overseer meetings to play softball games. <laughs> true, true. Okay, just to put this in perspective, he's double booked before. So, so you're, you're all about context is what I'm learning. I'm just saying, Biblical okay, go context. ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> My softball night, and we kept having church meetings on Monday, and so I had this conflict, so... I guess uh, be careful what you wish for. I was a disgruntled uh, church volunteer, and I said, any chance we can move it to a day There is a question here somewhere. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Good. I was wondering why he couldn't be here. I thought we paused for a a reading of an audio book. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you did that. Andy Bear, dagger. Monday. Andy on fire. Hashtag. the kindness of his heart, he moved it to Wednesday. And... As luck would have it, oh boy, or unluck, it ended up being scheduled on this day. So I wish I could be in both places. However, I'm not. Having said that, though, wow, I do have a question um, and a comment first. I'm you've so already commented, bro. We're all out of time. The biggest sinner in the room, <laughs> because Mike, you're the biggest sinner in the room. Yeah, well, right now. Self-professed yep. biggest sinner That's in right. the room. Physically and, and spiritually. I notice that you you bring this up. You preface some of your your comments, your your messages by saying, "Hey, I'm the biggest sinner in the room." So my question to you is, what is that? Is that something to do with um, taking yourself off the pedestal, making sure that people don't think you're saying things out of, uh, you know, being high and mighty? Um, is there something to that? Where did that begin? And what do you think it does uh, for the people? Or what does it do for yourself? Is this some psychological thing? I'm just curious. Well, thank you for that very brief question. Um, (laughs) uh, 
We love you, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come here and say that to your face. That's right. <laughs> Why is it always going to be about fat jokes? I don't understand. Um, well, Jeff, or Jefe, um, if I could use the uh, Espanol. Um, <laughs> that couldn't be more Spanglish than anything else I know. Um, uh, that comes from one of our very earliest uh, podcasts. And so if you'd have listened to them all instead of a few, you would have realized that. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> Secondly, um, for here's what it does to me. Jesus, one of the operative principles of, of Jesus' life, uh, or life in Jesus is uh, the no judgment factor. And so he has this very famous saying, do not judge lest you be judged. Do not condemn or you will be condemned. What Jesus is outlawing there isn't something we call discernment, which is the separating of things into helpful, not helpful, aligned with the kingdom, not aligned with the kingdom. But rather the what Jesus is referring to is the separation of people into the sheep and the goats, the good and the bad, the righteous, the unrighteous. Um, and and we know that's what he's referring to because when he talks about the condemnation, the ju- he's, he's outlawing the kind of judgment that condemns. And one of the teachings that goes along with the, the judgment teaching is um, if you see, uh, uh, if you go to correct your brother or sister, Jesus says, uh, make sure to take the, the two by four out of your own eye before you remove the speck of dust in your brother or sister's eye. In other words, in the process of following Jesus, we are to regard our sin as a two by four and the sin of another as a speck of dust. Paul, even um, in his writings, talks about him being the least of apostles as the, 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 as the one who persecuted the church. Or he will say, uh, you know, Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Now, G- Paul will also boast about his religious credentials under, under the Jewish law. So what he's saying there is that, and I, and I pick up on it, is um, I'm the only inside I know. I'm the only motives I know. I'm the only um, heart I know. I'm the only brain I know. And every other judgment is based on what I see on the outside. And it's the it's the move from seeing something on the outside to rendering a verdict about someone's inside that Jesus is outlawing. So for me to walk around with the conviction, to me it's a spiritual discipline that's just as important as prayer or Bible study. When I'm moving, especially with people who disagree with me or people who are very angry, um, to, to see my sin as the issue. So people will say to me all the time, hey, when are you going to preach against this sin or that sin? And I always want to say, well, and sometimes I do say, okay, well, let's, if we're going to preach against sin, let's start with yours. Right? Let's, so what's your big secret <laughs> you sin? <laughs> and let's start, because what do we do? I mean, and, and, and this is where the world rightly looks at the church in judgment at our hypocrisy. Um, and and says it's so it's so fantastic. You guys are totally condemning the, the sins that none of you struggle with. How many how many conversations are we going to have about homosexuality compared to how many conversations the American church has about greed? relative to how many verses there are about greed mm-hmm. <laughs> and versus how many verses there are about uh, homosexuality, right? right? So we flip that entirely. So so to me, that is, that is one of the most important spiritual disciplines I've ever grabbed a hold of, um, especially in a public space when you're dealing with people who disagree, who are taking shots or whatever to say you know, to, to view myself as the biggest sinner in the room means to walk in with humility and kindness rather than, you know, focusing on your issue. Right. That makes sense. 
Well, all this time I thought it was I, as soon as I'm done with joke. my own sin, a fat joke. You're right. You didn't <laughs> let me finish. All this time I thought it was a fat joke. It is. I, I will say, looking around, I am the biggest sinner in the room. And usually I'm just recording with Andy. So quite literally, I'm double the sinner he right. is. Right. Well, I'm not a literalist. <laughs> Scott probably sees and it as the literal. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. No, that's a great question. Hefe. Thanks, Hefe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else you got in the notes, ma'am? I got plenty more, actually. I'm Look glad you asked, Mike. <laughs> There's a lot about interpreting things in the light of Jesus, stuff you don't like in the Bible or stuff that's confusing or mm-hmm. dirty or gross. Right. Interpreting that in the light of Christ. Right. I'm seeing that a lot more, which I'm fine with, and it feels good. I can't tell if that's actually a movement that's happening or if I'm just in an echo chamber where that's going on a lot. But is that just an excuse? That's it seems good. like a that's lot good. of people... That's good. I see where you're cooking. Are they want to maintain some sort of inerrancy cred, right? While moving to this, interpret some of those difficult passages in light of Christ, right? Whereas I'm at the point now, finally, where I can say, why can't we just say they had a bad interpretation of God in right? certain parts, right? And that's so. Guys like Pete Enns and others do exactly that. They yeah. will say what's recorded in the Old Testament isn't the straight history, it's Israel's interpretation of re- the, the revelation of God. Right. And, um, and so, so what you're getting isn't that God commanded genocide, it's that Israel believed that God commanded genocide. So you see the difference, right? right? Yeah. All kinds of debate about that move. One, one huge question is, how did Jesus see the Old Testament? Because if he's, the, if he's kind of our model for, you know, I only do what I see the Father doing. Um, how how so when Jesus talks about the Old Testament, I don't see a ton of room about him making that interpretive mood. What I see instead him doing is presenting himself as the most definitive and final revelation of the true heart of the Father. So so that's where I go first, rather than to that extra step of saying, well, what you're getting there. Now, now clearly there is some of some of that, Zach, in the text, because if you compare accounts in Chronicles uh, versus Samuel, for instance, you'll see where the chronicler begins to clean up some of the ugliness of David's reign. Mm-hmm. You'll see that. I mean, you'll see, you'll see that out of exile now, we're presenting the Davidic kingship in a much more polished way than it was presented prior to exile. That is the uh, convection oven reaching 400, I think, finally. Hopefully, because we got we're hungry. Actually, the refrigerator's open, Scott. John will take care of it. <laughs> Your refrigerator is as technological as a car. Yes, <laughs> truly, oh, you live in yes. South Look County. Look at that. It is South County. It is the slum of South County. Absolutely, my stainless they say steel appliances. That if you own beat. a refrigerator, you're in the top one percent of the world. Yeah, that's what, right. Where are you if your refrigerator beeps when it opens? I mean, what I think you're the one percent of the one percent. Yeah, and then where are you if you, your freezer occupies the bottom half as opposed to side oh, by side Lord. freezer? Yeah. See, that's that's a fanciness. See, even King David didn't have did not know like the that. luxuries right of our modern times. So, so first of all, <laughs> I don't I don't try to keep inerrancy cred. I try to keep historical cred. So for me, 
to the question of to what degree was Israel's experience truly reflective of God's intention of Israel's experience is a massively important question. So, so uh, where I go because once you once you open the door to um, the the dismissal of those parts of the Bible, what standard are you using? Because that's where ends gets really inconsistent in my view. Okay, because. What standard do you use to determine what part actually is historically true and what part was the interpretation of a historical event? What are the boundaries for that, if any? And I just, I I don't think that you can apply that consistently throughout the Old Testament. So, for instance, he will make a big deal about, well, we just don't have archaeological evidence of the the Exodus or more, more specifically the conquest of Canaan. Um, and, um, but, but, uh, you know, uh, my response is, well, even the text itself says that they didn't drive everybody out, you know, even though there are some hyperbolic sort of war hymns that talk about how, you know, they destroyed everybody and everything was devoted. Right. The text itself doesn't, uh, doesn't give you permission to take that universally and unilaterally. It says, no, no, there were actually inhabitants in the land the whole time Israel was there. So would you say Pete is at that point kind of taking literally some of the stuff, the hyperbolic stuff, and, and using it nope. against? No, um, Pete is way smarter than me, and he would have a, a fantastic answer. I didn't want to say that, but... No, it's true. <laughs> it is absolutely true. It, it's the, when do you, when, what are the guiding principles, and he has some, what are, when is it appropriate to say, this is an area where we're getting Israel's reflection of what God intended Versus we're getting a record of what God intended. Is it ever possible to get a record of what God intended? Because, okay, because taking his argument, well, look at the Ten Commandments, how they're presented in Exodus and Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. right? Clearly, it's all interpreted, right, through Moses or the editors in right. Moses' name or whatever, no question about it. The issue is how close does it get to the historical events? Um, and, and because, remember, Israel's history is redemptive history. It's not... It's the whole thing rests on these historical events actually happening because the theology is packed not in abstract textbooks or systematic theologies, but rather they're packed with meaning in historical events. Yeah. So if you're, if you're going to say that, the, that um, the plagues weren't the plagues... But Israel, Israel unwinds the, you know, the Passover like this amazing. So how, just where, where do you, where, where do you, uh, and what guides you in separating the, nope, this was actual history and this was Israel's interpretation of history. Unless you just say, well, it's, it's, it's universal interpretation, right? It's all Israel's interpretation of its history. Does that make sense? Right. So to me, hmm. what Jesus does and what the writers of the New Testament do or they get, they they use language that that allows for the the progressive revelation of the true heart of God over the course of generations. So when the author of Hebrews says, you know, in the past God spoke in many different ways and many different uh, times um, through many different means, but yeah. now He's but spoken through His Son and He calls Him the exact yeah. representation of His being. The Greek there is literally the revelation of God's inner nature in ways that I don't think we'd seen. So it's not that the other revelations weren't true. It's just that they weren't complete. And that's the, and that's the progressiveness of it is is that just because something happened or God revealed himself a certain way at one time, doesn't mean that that was the complete revelation. So so he progresses. And, and I just want to point out that Jeff, um, in another, 
uh, audio file, he said, control the conversation. Don't let Mike run away with it. So, <laughs> um, Speaking as a man who spent <laughs> two minutes asking a question, I think right. he's projecting. I, I think so, too. I think Hefe yes. is projecting. I think, I think so, too. Hefe. I think so, too. <laughs> is that the refrigerator? Or is that the other? That actually yeah. was the other. Okay, okay. That's, oh, that's, okay. that's, okay. that's, that's a pizza. That's pizza. pizza. This is awesome. When you live along, among a lot of technology, you begin to recognize your beat differences. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, so Zach, I mean, that's a phenomenal question. And I, I think there's some legitimacy to that. I mean, I think ends um, when I read uh, uh, when I read him as, as as long as I can understand what he's saying, um, I'm sympathetic to some of the things he does. There's just a part that I feel like I don't want to get rid of yet um, to the Old Testament that forces us into those theodicy questions um, because I do think there, in the same way uh, context matters, I think there's some contextual stuff in the OT that we miss. Uh, if we can, if we just simply say, and even saying just, well, well, Jesus is the full and final revelation, it doesn't even clean that up. Um, but also if we say, well, that's just Israel's interpretation of its redemptive history. I think, I think there's stuff we're missing if we just rest on those two moves. So one of the, th- one of the ideas we have for a series, series of podcasts is just embarrassed by the Bible. So yeah. going to some of those stories and saying, okay, are there historical, biblical, cultural things that are happening that um, frame this in ways maybe we hadn't considered. Because, uh, you know, we read the story as a linear start in Genesis, end in Revelation. We read it as Westerners. We read it as with 21st century sensibilities. And uh, our moral sensibilities have so shaped us, and they're all unwritten, that, um, you know, we look at at holy war um, as abhorrent, um, whereas in the ancient Near East, I mean, that's all, that's, that's just what it was. It's like Paul, it's like Paul in uh, slavery. Um, Paul was clearly against slavery. And yet in the, in the Roman system, he, he gives commandments to slaves and masters. He plants the seeds for its overthrow. So I see God doing that all over the place. I see God, um, even if God commanded genocide, I, I, I still see that language as hyperbolic. I see that language as worship language and not war language, blah, 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 blah. So is it possible that God, in fact, did not command genocide? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not in the way we define it. Right. Correct. And again, it, so much comes down to that word devote, that English we translate into devote. So they devoted these things to God. Um, and, and so you have two kinds of books out there on the Old Testament, you have you have books that try to soften the commands, right? So, well, the Canaanites were really evil. You know, God even said, you know, we're going to let the sin raise up to their full measure and their child sacrifice. And so you try to soften the command. There, there's another set of books that say, no, no, there, there's context. It's like um, when, you, when you look at the Ten Commandments, they're not Ten Commandments. They're called the Ten Words. But what were they? Those were, that's bridal contract. So, so Israel saw the Ten Commandments as a, as a ketubah, a bridal contract that Israel says yes to in Exodus. When they say, yes, we will do everything you command, they're saying yes to their husband. And they immediately Dis- broke. Exactly. Yeah. And they're unfaithful. But notice, what <laughs> was the first command of the Ten? I love the Lord your God. Uh, you shall have no other gods yeah, before yeah, me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is which is the which was often the first agreement of a ketubah, which was you shall have no other lovers uh, besides me. So, the, so God used culturally meaningful forms 
all throughout the story. Holy war was one of those forms. So he uses, so when you're, when you're looking at Deuteronomy, what you're looking at is a treaty form um, that was very common in the ancient Near East. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so a lot of the stipulations are very congruent with how treaties were drawn up between kings and vassal nations. Uh, the choose life, the choose death, the consequences, the exile, mm-hmm. I mean, all that stuff was common. Mm-hmm. And so, so to me, I go, is it possible God didn't command genocide in the, in the way that we mean it? Absolutely. But what does that mean? Sorry to turn. No, 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 go, go, go. What? This is I, I think, show. I think with Zach, um, Zach's kind of a wuss, but, um. So he's not really saying what he, he wants to say. <laughs> Talk about him while he doesn't yeah. have a mic in his hands. Go ahead. But um, to say that... He does have a blade, though, so this could get real <laughs> to say messy. That, to say that God didn't command genocide, but is that... In, in the, but you're saying... You, you said, is it possible? You said, is it possible that he didn't... And he said, yes, but in the way that we understand genocide today, but there seems to be a further kind of answer that oh, absolutely. maybe the genocide that they would have understood back then might be a different... Is that, is that when you say yes. the way we understand genocide today? Yes. We, we see genocide as ethnic cleansing. Um, like Rwanda and right. Iraq, yeah. Somalia. Um, yeah. I, I, think that, I think the command there was different. Now, I can't justify this yet. I, wa- I want to save this for the embarrassed by the Bible part of this. Come on, um, just, just no, no, I mean, no one I, listens. I, no one listens. Just it's go for it. The fact that it's religious language that's used to talk about it is incredibly significant, and and uh, the fact that clearly throughout the text, um, the Israel does not do it. So um, they, they carry it out to a certain extent, but then later on, it's well, you see you the can, Canaanites. Even, and, you, there's even disagreement all over to what extent they did it, because battle hymns or battle announcements were so hyperbolic right. in nature mm-hmm. that when Israel, you know, when the text says they drove every inhabitant out of the land, but clearly later in Joshua, no, there are all sorts of inhabitants still in the land. Right. Yeah. Right? Right. 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 So, so you're going. What are we dealing with in this? And that's, right. that's the question Zach's raising and that Pete Enns really explores. What are we dealing with? Well, it's clearly interpreted, interpreted history. Yes, no question about it. It's clearly theological history. It's history with an agenda. But how do we extract meaning from it when it comes to what God's like and what God intended? That's right. the big question. Whether or not God actually commanded the genocide in the first place, I think, would be the, 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 the main thing. Yes. Because if he did command it, and they didn't carry it out, then it's, okay, well, they messed up. Mm-hmm. But I think the question is, well, would, would a loving God actually command that? And that, that might be mm-hmm. the question that, that a lot of uh, uh, skeptics or atheists or, well, yeah. or whoever. Or Zach's. Or Zach's. Zach, Zach's. Yes. Depending on how you spell yes. it. <laughs> that they would have questions on, would a loving God actually command that in the first place? Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, from, and then other people... Am I am I right in your face? Yes. Some thank o- you. other people might say, well, you know, if the if the if the record is that God commanded it, mm-hmm. is the record wrong? Mm-hmm. And, and then does that raise doubt as to other things that God might may have commanded? So it's the balance of looking at the text contextually mm-hmm. and uh, and balancing that with having something that is more universal outside of the text by which we can then rightly interpret the text. But then that thing that's outside the text, how, you know, how, how do you have something outside the text that you can 
have a have as a standard right. to judge the text. So there's a balance there so, that, so that's so a struggle to, totally to reach. Play it out. Yeah. So let's say God is unbearably holy. He yeah. hates sin. And that um, that in the same way God used plagues to judge Israel, that God used natural disasters to judge Israel, yeah. that God struck down Ananias and Sapphira yeah, in the book of right? Acts, right? Yeah. Um, that yes, absolutely, God in his holiness hates this and used Israel uh, to cleanse the land of the stain of the Canaanites. So let's play that out. Let's say that's just true. That's absolutely true. Okay, absolutely true, and it's true as it's written, and it's offensive to our modern sensibilities. Right. right. So now what? So yeah, what so, are we left? It, does does that contradict the idea of a loving God throughout? Well, according the to New our Testament. definition of love, it's back right. to you. Right. 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 So right. so so it comes back to there was a book it, yeah, written our definition that is very relevant to this conversation. It's it was called Searching for a Better God. Oh, and it that's was a dangerous title. And it was wow. the the indictment. So it used to be Christian apologetics uh, was this field of we're gonna we're gonna debate you know the resurrection and inerrancy and here proofs for God's existence. Those questions are utterly irrelevant to the vast majority of people. The objections to following Jesus now are moral. They're not in yeah. a primarily intellectual. They're moral in the sense that following Jesus makes you a worse person than a better person, right? So this is one of the first times that argument's ever been made because the early church was so compelling in its in its public witness. And there were big guns intellectually, no question about it, in second, third centuries. But what was so compelling was how they treated the poor, even the Roman poor. They buried the dead that, and the, the emperor even noted like absolutely. how you bury the dead. We, we don't even do that for our, right. our own. Exactly. And, yeah. Yep. They would lament yeah. that Christians treated their citizens better than they did. I mean, yeah. it's beautiful. Well, we've lost any sense of moral authority or moral witness, correct? So, so now the indictment against God is, listen, we all know slavery is wrong. God should have eradicated it. We all know war and, and genocide is wrong. God should have never commanded it. So the issue becomes, um, if, if, Jesus were, you know, if Jesus were walking around, it would be a fascinating conversation. Because how do you reconcile, you know, love your enemy and turn the other cheek with commanding genocide? Yeah, that's my big question. So so let's just play it out. So let's say God commanded it. Let's say abs- it's called it's uh, divine virtue theory or divine command ethic. Hmm. It's, hey, what God declares is good by definition. So in this instance, not in a universal instance, in this instance, in a limited way, and some and some apologists would say in a very limited scope, um, God sanctioned uh, violence as the king of a nation, not as the God of the universe. So as the king of a nation, because again, he was Israel's king at this point, and he was over a geopolitical entity um, that he sanctioned violence and he um, fit their conception as the warrior uh, fighting on behalf of his people that every other culture of the day would have had. Okay. Does that still negate the beauty of Jesus of Nazareth? Does my faith rest on me putting that together, or does my faith rest on the beauty and majesty of Jesus? So, so even if, even if I can't soften any of that, I I still go. I'm a fan of Jesus. I don't know how to put it together, and I'm still in. Yeah, because even even before you get to that point. When uh, Moses went up for forty days, and uh, they they created, you know, Aaron created the the, mm-hmm. uh, the golden calf. Moses comes down, uh, sees him sees him worshiping the golden yep. calf. But then God says, "Well, okay, n- because he did that, you are you immediately broke covenant." 
now you got to, people have to die. And yeah. so he said, all right, right. who, who's going who's gonna to step up, essentially? Who's going to step up and... Who's for me? Yeah. So the Levites step up, and then right. 2,000 of the people, the chosen I've, people I of I God... Think it was more. There was more. Maybe, yeah. No, no. Well, maybe even more, yeah. No, no. It's, it's 3,000. 3,000. And, and there's an interesting correlation to then what happens on the day of Pentecost. That's, that 3,000 are added to the... Correct. Yeah, right. so, yes. so that's a meaningful yes. number. Yeah. But, but so even... The be, same 300 right, from, Resurrected. <laughs> resurrected. Yeah. yeah. So even, even before you get to... Genocide of other nations. You get to God killing the, his own people. The people of the chosen yes. people of God, and even or and even, swapping Pharaoh's army in it, the freaking yeah. Red Sea. Or, and even that, you get you get God's God telling Moses, "Hey, these are rebellious people, stiff neck, hard hearted. I'm going to wipe them out, and I'll I'll start a new nation from right. your descendants." Right. And then at one point, he was even going to kill Moses. Totally. And so. We um, am I talking? Am I talking kids. loud? Am I getting excited? You're passionate. So I, I love it. But, but so man. even even before getting to, I'm bringing, oh, yeah. I'm bringing it back down. Oh, yeah. Bringing it back down. No, don't. Even, perfect. Even <laughs> even before you get to judging of That's the right. other nations, That's right. you have God wiping God out His own elect. Totally. And from so from my perspective. God commanding genocide of of a nation that is is not his you know quote unquote people what you know whatever that whatever that means is not a big deal because he already wiped out his he, own. he's already, he's already trying to purify his own nation right, right. so that that that's just all where, for his own glory as John Piper might say oh I hate that oh yes definitely seriously definitely no so Zach it is I think the if if not the number one probably top three objection even among Christians, to, I just don't know how the Bible fits together. I right. cannot reconcile this seemingly fly off the handle, you know, the, the, the tabernacle's about ready to tip over and this poor schmo <laughs> yeah. reaches over to yeah, the stabilize arc. Yeah. it, right? Or the, yeah. Yeah, the, the ark, not the yeah, tabernacle. That, that one get, now, so that one I'm like, okay. Well, God, that one got David too. Yeah, Remember, David puts heck? it away for three months. He doesn't yeah. even eat it and touch it. That one yeah. I'm like, he, he, he did what he thought was... Right, it seemed right at the time. Like right. everyone thinks that's right, but God's holiness. El- but then Ananias you have to change it to God's holiness is greater than what we think is right. They were commanded Which is not an to awesome touch it. Band aid yeah. to put over all those, and it may in but, fact but, be true. Well, you <laughs> say, but you I, say band aid. Right you say band aid, right but but the the command was not to touch the ark. You had to touch it with with acacia wood or whatever. So yeah, I, I the command you. is there. They broke the command. They paid for it, but right. you could explain that one. But when he commands what seems to be evil, or or the you know the disparity between who who provoked David to a census. Oh, okay. Um, so I have an explanation for that, and I, so I hear I hear people give explanations yep, for that. They yep. give the Job explanation. I don't think that satisfies it. I think that I think it's actually the text explains it itself because it's it it says that uh, one part it says Satan. Satan stirred up David to take the census. That's right. But the second Samuel, it says that it, speaking of God's wrath or what God did, stirred up David to take it. So it wasn't, it didn't say that God stirred David up. It was what God did stirred David to take the census. I think that's a better explanation. And I don't know Hebrew. It doesn't say God stirred David. It said God's wrath. It said speaking it, mm-hmm. speaking right. of God's wrath, Sir David. So God, so David was not happy with what God did based on mm-hmm. what Israel had already done. 
That, that's why I explained that. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Mike. No. I'm just listening oh, to oh, Jeff. This is, this is great. Um, and we could go on about that all day. All night, but I you guys wax theological, no. and now I get involved, and boom! No, you got it's the, over. You got the last word, Scott. Shh, I'm giving you that last up. word. <laughs> but we're running out of time with Mike, and we have to talk about his church. Oh, <laughs> so your podcast grew so. F- was the church born out of the podcast? Is that what happened? Yes. Which is you bet. That's crazy. Yeah, it's dumb. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's not how you draw it up. All crazy is dumb. Show True. me crazy that isn't dumb. Whoa, look at you go. <laughs> oh, that's Andy Bear. Ooh. Hashtag Andy. I told you Andy's 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 on fire. Fire. Andy's on fire. He needs more time. He does not. Time. He does not need more time. He's very good in limited doses. So <laughs> I'm just that potent. What, what Whoa! <laughs> Hashtag something. Andy on fire. So your church, what are some of the things that you were trying to avoid in the this church is birthed church community. Do you call it a community or a church? Or both? Either. Yeah. Yeah. Would you call it a placental type of oh church? Out, Just out location. Outgrowth? <laughs> Seriously. Um, yeah, the umbilical cord is the podcast. <laughs> no, we felt like um, that I, I've worked in, had the, had the very great privilege of working in several large churches in Southern California. And... Um, and I, I and I think for what those do, those are great. Um, but I also realized there the, the what the podcast space opened up is the realization uh, there's this whole other this whole other thing happening in culture so outside of the confines of a of a church campus and demanding no money, no staff, no building um, to to engage in. You know, it's it's it's, it's three guys sitting here with beer and pizza in a beeping hell of <laughs> technology you know right. you can stainless steel though stainless steel technology <laughs> yes which you know uh and the trash cans are even stainless steel so uh that's when you know that's when you know it's real um uh but we felt like if we were going to um if we were going to begin to engage in what we hoped was pr- prophetic critique of the church um it wasn't enough just to simply be critical we had to begin to flesh out, okay, uh, what's it mean for a church community to believe they're the biggest sinners in the room? What's it believe? What's it mean for a church community to believe that women um, are open to all roles? Uh, what's, it, what's it mean to believe uh, that heresy isn't just something about what you believe, but how you live? I mean, you know, those sorts of things we were getting into. Right. So uh, we decided to launch a church, um, and we didn't advertise it. We didn't tell anybody about it. We just mentioned it on the podcast. We got several hundred email addresses, uh, some of whom uh, were interested, not for great reasons. <laughs> uh, um, Do you have an example of that? No, not, like, not that I'm willing to get public. Are there going to be cute girls there? Oh. Um, and, are there? Uh, and so are there any cute There, there are some there? cute girls, yeah. absolutely. Uh, my daughter, Hannah, is nine, and she's there. Yeah. Or no, she's 11, excuse me. Adorable. She's my, my daughter, Sunflower, she's three. Yep, she's there. Absolutely stunning. How do you feel about that, Scott? Scott, what do you feel about that? <laughs> well... Um, I'm sure you will not let me do Sunday school, so that's good. <laughs> because we don't have because Sunday school. Because of any kind of background police record we yeah, pull? Yeah, is there something you should know? Well, I'm sure that, yeah, if you, you might not have that technology up and running yet. <laughs> so, so for us, it became really interesting because there was this whole kind of thought tribe that had gathered. Whether you agreed or disagreed, there was an approach that we were exploring 
Um, and, uh, and the church became an outgrowth of that. And we've wrestled long and hard with how do you, how, how, what's the congruency between the church? If, if you just listen to the podcast and you show up, what are you expecting? Um, versus, you know, we're unashamedly pro-Jesus and, uh, we think, we think following him leads to flourishing. And so, um, you know, we, we sing songs and, but, but we've tried, we've, we've experimented with a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, um, at least in my experience, maybe not in others, um, has been, been very refreshing. Okay. Okay. So that was another question of mine is what, what are some of the trappings of the modern American church that you are avoiding particularly? Or is there anything in particular? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Andy, jump in. Reform theology. <laughs> so is that something that you're like not only trying to avoid, but actively no. moving away from? Well, I'm going to, our podcasts have been critical of it. Okay. So yeah. the church isn't built on that at all. all right. No. Um, uh, yeah. So so let me speak of the positives that indict the negatives. So um, we are tagged for Vox is safe to belong, and um, we believe that most churches have a great theology of allowing people to be in process, um, but uh, not a not a super great practice of that. And so for us, the metaphor of a table and Jesus eating with sinners. Um, so we practice something called open communion, which is which is fairly controversial in the circles I've run in. Um, namely, that anybody can come to the table and partake in the in the the bread and the cup. Um, we highly encourage doubting and questioning, and so we, we. So I'd be welcome there. Then it sounds like oh, you would oh, yeah. because you're, you're you're raising phenomenal issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, you might be disqualified for other reasons, but just for that, that's <laughs> yeah, why it'd be great. Wife being you haven't done the background no, check yet. No, true, yeah, true. Um, and so we do. We do. Uh, we have we we have people texting questions all the time, and and that's no big deal. But we don't do a series out of it. We do it every week, and we do the questions based on what was taught last week. And a lot of the questions are from a very skeptical, non-believer sort of point of view, which is phenomenal. That's so awesome. Yeah. We want to yeah. normalize. And and they're brutally honest. I mean, they're they're people aren't pulling punches on these things. It's it's phenomenal. So you you'd be right at home. Right. I mean, it's stuff like how how can I follow God as a father when like I'm reading about Abraham willing to go and kill his son? Like how, right. how does that set yeah. a benchmark for spiritual parenting? Like, right. I mean, it, it's it's stuff like that that you're just like yeah let, yeah let's answer that. Yeah, I mean, really about people it. just pick up yeah. on on those like very yeah. binary you know points of views. It's great. It's really good. Um, we also. Um, we're, we're trying to walk a, this really interesting middle ground with the LGBTQ community where we want to be a place where affirming folks and non-affirming folks can learn to love and serve each other. And um, so we've got folks that are radically anti-gay uh, marriage, um, and we've got folks that are married to the same sex. And they're sharing, the, they're sitting at the table with each other. And so what's that What's that mean and look like? And we've got the natural questions of why aren't you just condoning their sin? And and, uh, and then we've got, you know, some very progressive folks saying, well, how come you're just not, you know, all the way affirming? And um, so it's really interesting. And we've, and we've got some of our, we've got a, we've got a gay man who, who said, you know, I've been to affirming churches and I just don't like them uh, because they make their affirming stance the most important thing. Interesting. And, yeah, right. Right. So we've gotten criticized from both sides, but we also get Which means you're probably maybe well, finding seen, a sweet spot. Uh, maybe. Well, that just, that I think that just goes to show you teach the truth and 
And if people don't like it, you they they go somewhere else. But but you have to stay. You have to teach the truth as I mean as you see it. Right? I mean that can't. Yep. But you, you but can't think, be accommodating to everybody. No, but we do think. Um, and this is where we depart pretty dramatically from folks. We think it's grace before truth. We don't think it's grace and truth. Mm. Interesting. So, because that's what Table Fellowship represented. It was the pre-acceptance of people prior to their repentance and prior to their believing. It, to the point where Jesus would be criticized for condoning their sin because of his association with them. With tax collectors. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Prostitutes, yeah. prostitutes right. sinners. Yeah. So, so yeah. we think, so when we say safe to belong, that's what we mean. Mm-hmm. We, we pre-accept folks um, and allow them to come to the table uh, because we see, we see that obviously embodied in Jesus and enacted in Jesus. So, um, and who knows what happens when people get brought into the orbit of the scriptures and the spirit and the community of faith. We don't know, you know, who knows what God will do. Cause all we're, you know, if, if you look at somebody and you say, okay, oh, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're married and they're gay. You're looking at one snapshot of one tiny part of their life. You're not aware of a prequel. You're not open to a sequel. You've just rendered a judgment that has either closed them off or opened them up. We have massive refugees from the sexual confusion of our culture. What's the church going to do with them? Do they have to accept our sexual ethic in order to follow Jesus? Is that a deal breaker? So uh, to us, these are massive cultural questions. So part of the space we're trying to inhabit, back to your question, is a space that makes a lot of room for tension, paradox, ambiguity, mystery, and process. And and and, lo- and loads of churches will do this, particularly mega churches, because when you've got 5,000 people sitting in a room, you can't police anybody. Mm-hmm. So that leads us to the, the last thing we want to be you know, really honest about, and that is... Um, we want to be really upfront with our own sinfulness. And so we make storytelling a huge deal. Now, most churches do this, but they're polished stories. They're pretty red mm-hmm. bows. They're told, in, they're told on video with nice lighting. Right. We've had people get up and say, hey, uh, my name's so-and-so and I hate the church. And he's wearing one of our T-shirts because he's on our launch team. Like <laughs> people who launch the church yeah. are people who hate nice. church. Yes. Um, I, uh, my name's David. Our first story was, my name's David, and I tried to commit suicide last February. Wow. Um, uh, my name's so-and-so. I struggle with self-righteousness. My name's so-and-so. I hate women's ministry events. Um, they make me feel alienated. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm a woman because I yep. hate going to the women's team. Right. I mean, yeah. like, my just, name is so-and-so. I'm in hot water with God right now. You know, right. I yeah. mean, it's just, <laughs> I hate you know, we, we've really tea. kind of pledged like to say it's like our way. situation is really the thing that aligns us more than it is the our pretty testimony. story and our testimony, right. right? you know, like getting people to a place where they can get up there and actually share, this is who I am now. This is what I struggle with now. This is what I doubt with now. Yeah. Now how I got here, yeah. here's a little bit we about We want to hear about what you struggled with when you were growing up. We, we couldn't care less. Right. We're really right. interested in what's happening now. That's so beautiful. I... That's one of the things we've touched on a few times is authenticity is a big buzzword right now. Mm -hmm. And I think our church does it better than most probably, but there's... Wait, are you just being transparent with me? He's he's not. He's (laughs) talking about what he thought about two weeks ago. I'm not talking about right now, Andy, so... Yeah, careful. So transparent in the past. (laughs) We're still working on the future. But there there is this danger, and I've mentioned it before, of talking about authenticity as opposed to actually being it. So you talk about something that happened in the past maybe and and how you've overcome it and then everybody looks at you, wow, man, they're so real. They're just thinking, no, they're not, that's not real. That's That's like 
Um, well, and think about that's think the of, past, right? And yeah. think about even the stories we tell as as preachers and teachers, right? They're always victories. They're never. I mean, I'd love, I'd kill for it. Like I went to my elder board when I first became pastor at this very large church, and said, "Hey guys, um, I need you to pray for me on Mondays because if I'm going to binge on porn and carbs, it's going to be on Monday." <laughs> And, and you could have, you could have just like the awkward silence um, that came out of that. Um, you, you meant corn and carbs, yes, right? Yes, <clears throat> yes, 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 yes. Um, and, uh, you know, now, now the downside of the authenticity movement, of course, is that what invites us out of that, what invites us out of our, uh, out of our junk um, and so there, there has to be in that a robust view of sanctification that God, yes, of course, welcomes us to the table as we are. Of course, of course, of course. Uh, there's a prequel that brought us to here. Of course, of course. But God, what, what being loved and being united with Christ means, there's a, there's a, there's a forward movement through that, and not just the staying in that forever. And so, um, you know, for us, we we built the church on three things that we try to embody in the podcast. Number one, um, we want to be the church should be the safest place to talk about anything. We just think if we're people that believe in the reality of sin, we should never be surprised. If we're people that believe in the reality of redemption, we should never give up. Correct. Amen. Uh, I mean, end of story. We should be the one crew of people who is not surprised by the extent of human depravity. We have hope. We should just be the yes. one, and we should be the one crew of people that never give up. Yeah. Never give up because if evidently you can live your whole life, be next to Jesus on a cross and open your heart to him and you're in. So we're just, but we, none of us, none of us embody that sort of radical hospitality to people. So for, for us, we want to be the safe place to talk about anything. So, you know, we have uh, the stories we tell. The only stories we censor are the stories that are too Christian, that are too pretty, mm. that are too, you know, the standard, I grew up in a Christian home, I accepted Jesus. Love those, bless those. God redeeming anybody is a massively beautiful story. But they don't capture what we're wanting for that moment, namely permission um, to bring your real doubts, your real sin, your real yeah. junk to the table, not so that it just gets affirmed and blessed and, hey, you know, we'll be here next week, but, <laughs> but so that it gets brought yeah. into the light and that Jesus will then begin yeah. to heal, to restore, to yeah. break through, to whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, second conviction is the church needs to exist for the next generation. End of story. It doesn't exist for itself. It exists for the next generation. And the third yeah. conviction, it exists to love and serve the world, not to, judge, not to sit in judgment of it. And that's just straight from Paul, right? Paul says, who am I to judge the world? I judge those inside the church. Yeah. So our yeah. basic fundamental premise is, all right, Christians should act like Christians and non-Christians should act like non-Christians, and we shouldn't be surprised. Now, the gray area are those that are transitioning from non-Christian to Christian, right? Well, is it just those that pray the prayer? I mean, when do you make that? So we're real, we allow it to be really fuzzy about, okay, and that's why, you know, when, when um, uh, a believing wife and her atheist husband comes to the table and the atheist husband takes communion for the first time in their marriage and the wife weeps in response to that, or do we think Jesus is pissed because the guy didn't do a moral inventory of his own sin? No, we think Jesus is... is he didn't say the right words. Right. He didn't <laughs> say the right words. What about his view of the Trinity? So, I mean, all of that hmm. stuff matters. See, all of it matters. We're not saying, I don't think, I think theology is hugely important. What you believe about the world radically affects how you interact with it. 
but we've relegated believing only to the intellectual sphere. So that we are full, our churches are full of people who profess faith but don't have it, who profess belief and don't ever embody it. And so, so to me, um, American Christians don't need more education. They don't need more Bible studies. They don't need more Greek studies. They need they just obey what you know. And what will then open up for you is something far more radical than any Bible study will ever give you. So that's just a bit about... That's it? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple. Andy, right? Andy can you um, kind of uh, elaborate more on what Mike just said? <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, we invited Andy so that you... I know, Mike and Mike and Andy. So Andy would come. So, yeah. <laughs> Listen, uh, you know... Rob Bell had these great series. I'm sorry, of who? Uh, <laughs> Newman. He's, he can't. No, no, no. And we can't mention particular one, video on uh, noise. We're going to start um, yes. with called Puma. <laughs> White Panther. Yes. Yeah. With real bits of Panther. That's right. Is that the same? No, it's real. That, that's yeah, Anchorman one, one, reference. One hundred percent. Eighty percent. It works one hundred percent of the time. It's made, made with bits of real Panther. Yes. yes. So you know it's real. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't. Uh, that so smells like they gasoline. just fist bumped at each other. Oh, oh, that is pungent. <laughs> Stings the nostrils. Wait, can I do one? Can I do one? Yes. Yes. I want to be on you. Oh. Hey, but we're all here. I like lamp. Who are you talking to? Not you guys. Oh, Duh. I think I just killed Christina somebody. Applegate. <laughs> well, that escalated quickly. Yeah, wow. Yeah. wow. <laughs> oh, goody. Yeah. Zach, do you have anything else on your list of things to ask? What does I that list say? Questions that I may want to possibly one day ask Mike Erie if he comes on our <laughs> podcast. I've heard you say that you're unemployable before. And I know that's a big can of worms probably that I was I wanted to get to earlier so we could talk about why you thought you were unemployable. But it sounds like now with this new Vox community, you put the employable in unemployable. <laughs> um, it felt like I had left three churches in six years, which, you know, wow. is just brutal. Were they all voluntary or were the, was there some... No, they were voluntary. It, okay. Which really? makes it even worse. For right? real voluntary? <laughs> or, even, yeah, no. For real, like, your free he's labor. going on to another season <laughs> in life. No, no, definitely for real. Okay. Um, I was at a church called Rock Harbor. You can't fire me, I quit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll show you. Um, I felt called to be a senior pastor, went to Mission Viejo Mariners, and um, uh, there I think there was just a big misunderstanding over what senior pastor meant and what campus pastor meant, and so that was a kerfuffle. Um, Did you and, guys use the word darn in any of the... No. Oh. No, well, not in South okay. County, man. You okay, don't good, use that word. Good, good, good. Uh, and then Evie Free, uh, I... I Wanted that to be the forever, you know, place, and um, I, it just was not a good fit. You know, I they they require somebody who's much different leadership, even theologically, but even leadership style that that I was, and so it was just my last year there was rough, and so for for them and for for me, so th- that makes you unemployable. Number one is who's the consistent person in those three transitions, right? Correct. And, um, and anytime, <laughs> right. Yeah. Me. Um, yes, and then, and then once we started the podcast, you know, our first podcast was on why gay marriage is good for the church. And these were always things I wanted to say and explore. 
Um, but once that happened, you know, the amount of blowback I was getting from previous churches as people felt like I was leaving the faith or becoming liberal or whatever. And so we talked about the rapture and we talked about abortion and gun rights and Republican politics and things you could never talk about, you know, when you're this in a big, is, this church. This is in the Why Gay Marriage is Good for the Church podcast? You're talking no, about no, no, all no. Those yeah. things? That oh, became okay. a series of podcasts. Uh, right. Right. The, first, <laughs> the first 15 <laughs> Vox podcasts are like We're just everything flaming. you should not talk about <laughs> okay. as a pastor. As a, as a in, if you correct. I was yeah, thinking, right. uh, right. yeah, what, is, what do gun rights have to... <laughs> Right. Well, I was do painting it. this house, binging on Vox, and when the kids were upstairs, uh, I would have it on just on the speakers. And Lisa's like, it "Sounds like he's up right up your alley." Like, yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who this guy is, but I love him. Oh, dude! So we I mean, thank you. So it, it became interesting because I'm I'm very conservative. I mean, I I you know I hold the traditional view of marriage. I hold the um, I hold to the classic views of, of Jesus and of course, I mean, course. I mean, I, I hold a massively high view of the Bible and all those sorts of things. Um, and so the irony was just, you know, no, I don't feel like I've changed much. Um, but I feel like I'm finally taking seriously what the Sermon on the Mount was about, um, the life of, uh, being the biggest sinner in the room, the life of loving an enemy and praying for those who persecute you, the life of nonviolence, the life of, of warring against uh, American churches, infatuation with greatness, bigness, largeness, and excellence, um, which none of, none of them are reflecting the Beatitudes of Jesus. So, so you just go... You just go, ah, I don't know. So, so I feel like uh, there was uh, enough alienating going on that, because uh, anytime I talked about politics, people would just say, stick to preaching. We're so disappointed in you. Um, we're thrilled you left our church because you're just a poor leader. You know, blah, 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 blah. you left our wow. church. Oh, yeah. I mean, just... <laughs> oh, was, wow. Right. right, 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 right. Oh, man. So, way to becoming a libtard. Yeah. Right, libtard. Oh, I, got, I got that. Wow. Which, Thank you? Question mark? So, it, so it's so funny. So anyway, that, so that was the unemployable. That was the unemployable bit. But the church plant thing didn't come from that. You know, we, there were still some churches that would have, you know, been foolish enough to invite us in. Um, the church plant thing came from what we felt like the podcast was teaching us about the church. Right. Namely, that um, you don't have to have a, uh, at least in Evie Free's case, we had a... 20-acre facility and a $9 million budget and 120 staff. Um, And you'd reach, you know, 3,500 people a weekend. Um, And when you're podcasting and you're... And again, of course, there's a difference between um, a church community and a church gathered and a podcast, no question about it. But the vast majority of people, the churches would go for the teaching. They weren't going for anything else. And if if you can podcast for free... Um, and reach, you know, we're reaching tens of thousands of people. It just flips the script, right? And yeah. so, um, what is a mega yeah. church now? Is it you, yeah. our church is 350 people, and that's what who shows up? Um, not big at all. I've never preached to crowds that small. But you know, when we've got 40,000 people downloading, um, you just go, okay. How big is our church? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. That, that's an amazing number, though. You said $9 million budget. Right. Mm-hmm. You're reaching, you're reaching yep. 3,500 people a week. Right. 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 It was like we, we, we kind of summed it up to like maybe it's about with live streaming included. It's maybe the same 8,000 people every month. Right. Yeah. 
you do a free podcast, right? And you reach forty plus thousand people. And, and think about where you're. That running. is insane. Yeah. And think about where you're reaching them. There, it, you it's don't in need a their building. Car, right? It's in their world. They're going right. to work. I drive. Right. I commute to work three hours a day. Three That's hours right. a day. Bragger. See, Bragger. I, I can I can listen to podcasts three yes. hours a day. And preachers would kill. Man. See, that's the thing. Preachers would kill to have people engaging with them beyond Sunday. So, so yes, we do a podcast that's just a record of, of the story and the teaching uh, of our little community. Um, but this is the one, you know, that has been the front door in ways we never expected, yeah. where we're hearing from folks all over. I mean, you know, I mean, you guys know, we're hearing from all over the world. Well, we um, got a couple of countries. Yeah, but so I mean, it's just. It's Have you shocking. heard of India? It's it has a billion people. <laughs> true, true. We've got two of them. We've got two of them. But I mean, but think about the revolution that that represents. Same things happening with Airbnb. Same things happening with Uber. The the era of owning things is over. Yeah. The era of utilizing things and and interfacing. That's what's interesting. So how does a church? Um, Work in that sort of in that sort of world. So for us, for me, um, the the table that we celebrate every Sunday, I need that. I need to be. I need to see flesh and blood taking the body and the and the and the bread yeah. uh, and the and the blood. I need I need flesh and blood to saying the words over me, and I need to to um, to engage in corporate worship, whether that's liturgy or whether that's hearing a story or whether that's singing. Um, so that grounds and I think validates the bigger podcast, which is our trying to explore what faithful Jesus following looks like. Because um, make no mistake, I mean, we're just, uh, I, I could not be, the older I get, the more passionate I am about who he is and what following him means. And, and, um, and, and the more passionate I get about uncoupling him from a lot of the shackles um, yeah. that, that American evangelical Christianity has kind of locked him up into. Yeah. Awesome. So wrapping up, I know Mike has this at the tip of his tongue, but Andy, why don't you tell us all the ways we can find your, t- your two podcasts? <laughs> Give us your credentials. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So, um, yeah, Mike's got a podcast at voxpodcast.com. We do. It's Come called on, the Mike and, Mike and Andy, Andy show. show. It's called the Mike and Andy. Yeah. It's Vox Podcast with Andy Lara featuring Mike. Fe- featuring Mike Size Geary. Mike. My, Mike is our Size. teaching pastor on Vox Podcast. Yes. Um, yes. No, uh, yeah, voxpodcast.com is where you can get uh, the podcast we've talked a lot about tonight. Um, the uh, Vox community, we have a separate podcast which features the teachings and the storytelling from our weekend gatherings, and that's a Vox community. You can get that there. Um, and, yeah. then we're, and then we're thinking about launching a third. Yeah. Oh. For, um, yeah, just more of a like fundy, like verse by verse. Like we're thinking about Revelation is kind of the, the first. That's a good book. place to start. Yeah. You start right in the beginning. At right. the end. Right. Yeah. Really teach the Bible <clears throat> instead of just at the yeah. Vox community. Correct. That you're, well, see, it's Vox community. Because <laughs> no, like you're going to teach the Bible. I know. Because right. like yeah, Vox true, community true. is just no, like. No, Vox right. community, we decided. <laughs> All we're ever going to do is talk about Jesus. So we're just going to do, like, we're in a John 3.16 series. All we're going to do is preach from the Gospels. Because the kinds of people that come, um, we we just want to put Jesus on display every week. Right. But there's this, you know, all this, all this other text stuff that's out there. So we're thinking about, well, we are going to, uh, at uh, at some point, for our, for our witch donors... 
Uh, our Patreon donors. Yep. Ooh. Um, we're going to do a verse by verse through Revelation. And then oh. maybe. Um, wow. Yeah, you're working yeah. on an ebook. I mean, we, we got some stuff coming. So right, and the yeah, revelation stuff. Wow. You said something. I'm going to let you go. Mike's got to go. Gotta go. Family commitment. But you said revelation is the most subversive tract ever written in the history of the planet. Wow. Poli- politically subversive. Politically subversive yeah. thing. Absolutely. Rome was was a woman. Rome, the whore, the goddess Roma, and now she's the whore of Babylon. Really? I mean, un like. <laughs> Unbelievable! They controlled the known world. Uh, it just and and the the economic, uh, the economic um, uh, prophetic witness uh, against the way Rome um, practiced her <laughs> economics, uh, the the Caesar worship that was borrowed from to now be applied to Jesus, ridiculous. So you're saying it may. It may have been understood and applicable to them more so than the modern American oh, good church. Lord, yes. Well, even, even the <laughs> the book even says that. Yes, the, it even says, "Blessed are the ones who hear um, and, and understand and understand and take the words heed. of this prophecy," which was written to people in first the first century. So, duh. Yes, the most misunderstood book because it's the most Jewish book. So not only so it's doing two things at once. It's recapitulating the entire story of Yahweh and Israel around Jesus of Nazareth on the throne with Yahweh, and it's politically subversive against Rome at the same time. It is, it 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 is one of the clearest, uh, for me, uh, proofs that the Bible was inspired because there's no way someone's that good. So did you get all the the stuff, the, the details deeds. out? Yeah, that's and it. If you're interested in checking out the church, it's boxoc.com. And so we have voxoc.com, yep. which is the, and the Vox Community Mike, Podcast. Yeah. Mike is learning as Andy speaks. <laughs> and and, and voxpodcast.com. Correct. And your yes. Twitters. Tweet. Uh, oh, yeah, the Lord. Twitters, uh, the Vox Podcast, and also just uh, at Mike Gary. Well, get out of here, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, yeah, guys. Thanks a lot for thanks coming lot. out. No, for no. You guys are awesome. Give us a benediction you do at the end of your podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. You ready? Yes. All right. To all, of, uh, to all dozen of you that are listening, may Jesus take the wheel. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks, Andy. You got it. Oh, that was so fun, guys. I could really use a drink. She's like my blankie. We'll edit that out. Neuter me in this. The uh, 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 We'll edit that out. Oh, we had so many guys on that couch. If we could just spank them one time. We'll edit that out. Blasp of me of the Holy Spirit. Don't quote me, bro. Oh, my God. The only reason he would come up to me is because he recognizes me from the podcast. Neuter me in this. I did try to only have one wife. What does Scott believe? There are, I believe that. Shut up, Scott. The hummus is going to go bad. It's okay, stupid. Don't quote me, bro. Anything else that people need to know about besides buy this freaking book? I just need to know that we're listening to one of the all-time great podcasts. I'm 52 of a gym teacher. Gym teacher. I'm 52 of a gym teacher. Gym teacher. I'm 52 of a gym teacher. Gym teacher. Thank you.